0: Dude, I'm going to pull this over here. That worship was amazing, guys. I'm telling you, it was amazing. And the piano player, you're on fire, mom. Oh, grandma's on fire. (laughs) Uh, I'm blessed by that. As soon as she started that, uh, that uh, creature's all around you. She started playing and I go, oh, we're going up. I could feel it. She's <laughs> fiery, man. I love it. All right. Uh well, first off, this is the best backdrop in the world to preach from. I just love this backdrop, man. It's what a sore. I love it. <laughs> um this is my first time in Jacksonville, so it's such an honor and um you know, so just thank you for uh having me and uh, us doing this. Uh My good buddy Alan Hood just talks about you guys, talks about how awesome you are, and uh, so I'm so glad to be with you, and uh, I'm excited for what's going to happen. We're going to be back together in the morning, if you can come, and I just encourage you, it's going to be just, we're going to be building and building and blowing, and you know, Jeremiah 1, there's a few, break up, destroy, tear down, and then there's building and planting, so. You got to do some excavating and demolition before you uh, do some building. So uh, (laughs) anyway, um, (laughs) we'll see what he does. I like you guys. I've loved the worship. Good. Um, Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke 11. Luke 11. Jump in there. I I brought products with me. Um, I did a CD last year. I've done four prayer CDs. My newest one's called Ask of Me, and it will make you pull your car over you want to have to pull your car over because you can't drive, who wants it? All right, you get it, ma'am. All right. So if you see her on the side of the road, then you know why. Don't stop to help her (laughs) unless you see a flat tire. And then I've got a a book called Prayer, Why Our Words to God Matter. And this is pretty much eternal glory of an intercessor in book form. And so this will bless you. I'm going to give it to a guy. All right, you get it, bud. I just don't want to be giving to all the ladies now. And then I, uh, tomorrow morning, we're going to talk about the glory within, the interior life, the indwelling spirit, intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. All right, you get it, dude. Yes. He's like, that was pretty easy, man. It's a new season, man. The Lord does see you. All right, good. Well, it's always my tradition whenever I come to a new city. Uh, I love to share a little bit of my testimony and just to kind of introduce myself. Some of you guys might know who I am. Uh, Maybe not. Me and my family have been at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City for about about 16 and a half years. I know. I moved there two days. I married my beautiful wife for 18 years. Got a 17-year-old daughter, a 14-year-old daughter, and a 6-year-old daughter. And uh, just surrounded with women, man. I love it. I love it. And uh, two days, uh, we had Trinity with us. I'm from northwest Arkansas. And uh, I got my elementary education degree in 19, in 2000. And we moved to Kansas City. And I had a radical salvation 20 years ago with Jesus. I was in a college parking lot. Religion had me. I went to church growing up. But I went deep into the drugs and the partying. I was a good athlete. So that kind of characterized my high school years. Went off to college and the partying increased. Long story short, we found ourselves going deep into drugs and my friend went through a season where he was losing his mind and what we didn't know is that he had a praying mom and I had a praying mom and we're all here because someone prayed, amen? That's why I like this prayer and prophetic conference, we are in this room because someone prayed. Think about that, I mean, and we're all here because there's one man praying, (laughs) But it's the power of prayer. And and I was even thinking Hebrews 7.25. He connects salvation with intercession. He's able to save to the uttermost since he always lives to make intercession. Those two go together. So long story short, February 18th, 1997. My friend had lost his mind for a season. He came to Jesus. And two weeks later, he takes me to uh, lunch. And he begins to share with me that for four months... The spirit realm was opened up to him. He was seeing angels and demons. It was freaking him out. And he says, Corey, you need to give your life to Jesus because you're in trouble and you need to give because hell is real and you need to understand that. And I told him just to shut up, take me back to school. By this time I had two DWIs. You get saved at 30, not at 20. You know, that's something you do when you want to settle down with life. Not when you're so close to 21. And, um, And so I just said, leave me alone. I had two DWIs. My license was gone. I said, take me back to school. He pulls into the uh, college parking lot. Right before I get out of the van, Holy Spirit filled the van. I didn't know what it was or who it was. I began to feel presence move from the right of my body to my left. And I'm shaking violently like I'm having a seizure. And I don't know what's happening. And all I could see was a tug-of-war battle between light and darkness over my soul. My friend pulled in the back of the parking lot. and His mom's like one of those Pentecostal intercessor women. Devil come out or I'm coming in after you kind of women. Y'all, I see a few of y'all in here. Got that look on you. I mean, these people just, I don't know when they sleep. They always got a blanket, some kind of candles in the background. And I'd come out of his house high as a kite. He'd be, she'd be waiting at the door three in the morning. None of those demons are coming in this house. Another night, stayed at the house, put my head on the pillow. And I go, what in the world? She had put anointing oil all over the pillow. She comes into the side of the room. Get him, Lord. Two fingers. And um, and, uh, that's the kind of guy, that's the kind of house he raised in. And so I guess his mom taught him one prayer because right, I'm in the back of that parking lot. He went right for the gauntlet. He goes, in the name of Jesus, I bind the Antichrist spirit. <laughs> he just went for the jugular. <laughs> I guess that's prayer 101. But, uh, <laughs> and so uh, he binds it and I can't breathe. I start choking and I knew I have to get out the name Jesus. And so I go to say the name Jesus, but all I could get out was Jesus. Geez, 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 And it got, kept getting tighter and tighter around my throat. He's in my ears screaming, say it, say it, say it. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. Finally, I just remember taking a deep breath and with all the power inside of me screaming, Jesus, just like that. And as soon as I did, the hole broke off of my neck. And it was like God came and breathed into my mouth. And all I can say for five minutes is I've got air, I've got air. He jumps out of the van dancing. Giving glory to God, goes around the van saying, Jericho's fallen. <laughs> I didn't know what Jericho meant. So I just said, all right, whatever. And so I can breathe is what I care. Whatever was around my neck's gone. So I'm happy about that. And so I heard after a couple of minutes, a voice as clear as day coming to my mind. The voice says, "Get out of the, get out of the van, get on the pavement, give me your life, you are mine. So I jump out of the van, I'm in a college parking lot kids running everywhere, and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, Jesus Christ, I give you my life, I'm yours. And in that moment, I experienced the greatest miracle ever. I passed from death to life. I was dead and I became alive. I was forgiven of my sins, washed, regenerated, filled with the Holy Spirit, years of addiction broken in a moment. I sat on my porch swing that night for two hours undone by how blue the sky was how green the grass was, and how loud the birds were. Everything was in technicolor. It was crazy. And uh, I wasn't high, I promise. And uh, it was just this moment where everything was awakened. Um, and what began to happen is we had a drug ring of friends that had encounters like that or bigger in their explosions. And within a month, I led my little brother to the Lord who goes crazy in the high school. The next six months was pandemonium presence where we saw half the high school come to Jesus. Jesus. We saw a move of the Holy Spirit. A church began to host five meetings a week till three in the morning. And I got addicted to the presence of God. And I'm just a man that's, you know, fallen madly in love with a beautiful man. And I love his presence. His presence is better than life. His presence is better than life. And I love his presence. And uh, I got so addicted. And so I connected the dots that it's those women, those fiery Pentecostal women. They got... They got it going, man. So I'm a 20-year-old freak right out of the world. And my three best friends, I kid you not, for my first two years of salvation, two 50-year-old women and one 80-year-old woman. And these girls taught me how to pray. They said about early morning prayer, late night prayer, we were praying. And I got connected to that world in such a deep way. And I, and I just loved it. And I got so rocked by it. And two years later, when I couldn't handle it, we moved to Kansas City saying, i got to be in the presence at least eight hours a day. That's what was inside of me. i got to be in the presence eight hours a day. It never was about ministry. It never was about preaching. It never was about that. I've got to be in the presence eight hours a day. And I'm, and so that's what's driving me today. I never thought, and I'm, I was content to do that, which I still seek to do. But now I, I know He's calling me to awaken prayer in others. And so... I just want to declare to you right now that if you're holding out and you're believing God for a lost son or daughter, a backslidden son or daughter, I'm here to tell you God answers prayer. He answers prayer. I'm a living it takes. And and you guys hold the line. You believe the promises. You bind together and you don't let go until what God says in this word is manifested in your life. And I just want to, I always love to take 30 seconds. Who in here needs a breakthrough in your immediate family? you do see this is what this is where we're at right now i want you to stand right now we're going to ask god i believe in these kinds of times right here if you got your hand raised i want you to raise it now and i want if they're next well it's everybody i think (laughs) we need breakthrough in our families man we need god to move in our families he says if you believe on the lord jesus you and your whole household would be saved and that's cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents, and everybody. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we lift up our family members before your throne. We mention them by name before your throne. And you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, right now, we ask you to release salvation in our homes. We ask you to release deliverance in our homes. We ask you to release healing in our homes. Father, you are the God who hears and answers prayer. So, Father, we ask you to save our sons and our daughters. We ask you to save our husbands and our wives. We ask you to save our brothers and our sisters. We ask you to save our moms and our dads. We ask you to save our cousins. We ask you for a breakthrough of the kingdom of heaven in our families, God. Salvation, healing, and deliverance. Release laborers in their life. Release dreams in the night, visions in the day, the spirit of conviction upon them, God. Quicken them, awaken them, break off deception. Break off assignments and break off blindness. Release light into our families, Father. Breakthrough in the name of Jesus Christ. We will not let you go, God, until everything that you've said is manifested in our lives. So release salvation in our families in the name of Jesus. That's it. Amen. Watch what He'll do. Do not let go. And when you pray, believe that you've received what you asked for. We're not just praying into the air. And we're going to... I'm just even over here. I had to tweet it. I was getting wrecked. It said that Moses, in Hebrews eleven twenty seven 27, he endured because he saw Him who is invisible. And we have got to stay connected. We cannot look at circumstances and let that dictate our confidence. We've got to stay locked in on his Him... His word and his ability to fulfill his word. <clears throat> Seeing him who is invisible. We are called to be the ones who see invisible things, the invisible person. Good. All right, well, I, I love it. You guys were hitting it during worship. And we're just going to keep going into it. Luke 11. I want to look at this. Luke 11. It's that famous verse where the disciples in verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass as He was praying. Everybody say this. Say, they saw Him pray. What would that be like? To watch God the Son talk to God the Father through God the Spirit. I mean, we take that for granted. To watch Him talk to the one that He had been with from eternity past. The one that He created the heavens and the earth with. They'd have Genesis one together. And then he comes in the fullness of time. He walks on the earth. He empties himself of divine privileges and walks as a man dependent on the spirit with eyes in heaven and eyes on the earth all at the same time. They watched him pray. And then it says that his disciples came to him and they go, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. I would have loved to have heard his messages, wouldn't you? By the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it says their jaws were hanging open and they were astonished. They were astonished. They had never heard anyone talk this way about God, kingdom, realities, interpreting the law and the spirit of the law. And the way He came, and He didn't go to the normal seminaries of the day. Where'd you get this stuff, is what they were constantly asking. I would have loved to have seen His miracles. Blind eyes pop open, deaf ears, dead being raised, lame walking. I would have loved to have seen 5,000, not including women and children, fed from five loaves and two fish. I would have loved to have seen deliverances, effortless deliverances by the power of a word. It says he cast out spirits with a word. I would have loved to have seen the woman at the well as he read her mail. She drops her water pot and God uses the ill repute woman of the city to lead the city to Jesus. Don't you love that? I love it. She goes, "Sir, I perceive you're a prophet." (laughs) Yeah, he's got a little something on his life. (laughs) You're deep. This is what blows me away: is that the disciples spend three and a half years with the Son of God, witnessing morning, noon, and night campfire chats, saw every revival service, and we don't see one recorded time where they ask him, "Teach us to preach, teach us to heal, teach us to deliver." Teach us to prophesy. Teach us to do whatever you do. They connected the dots that Jesus' public life was the result of His private life. And they go, if there's one thing we want to be discipled by you in, it's in prayer. John did it with his disciples, and we want you to do it with us. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And I believe that this, we've tried every discipleship model, We've tried every church growth model. We've looked at every strategy in the book. And yet the one thing that the greatest leader of all time produced in the ones who saw him the most. I believe that God is calling the church in this hour back to that fundamental disciples cry. Take us into the prayer room and teach us how to interact with heaven. Teach us how to interact with heaven. I believe that's why God's raising up houses of prayer, praying churches. He's beginning to stir it in homes and schools and businesses. He's beginning to call us out of the fringes of a religious system. And Jesus is screaming to the body of Christ, I didn't die for only 45 minutes and 20 bucks. You're like, I give 30. (laughs) All right. (laughs) <laughs> teach us to pray and this is what I, I, I I've actually been just fascinated with the whole Luke 11 but this, it's not. I, I don't want to go through it all tonight I want to go through the phrase that you're the most familiar with well Jesus says okay I love it he goes okay who wants to learn about prayer they go we do we do, we do. I do and he gives us the first line of the Lord's prayer you've been saying this since you've been negative too I said it before football games our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And it's almost like Jesus says, okay, who wants to learn about prayer? And they go, okay, we do, we do. He goes, okay. Here, you know, that's what I want you to do. I want you to write down everything that you need me to fix in your life. All right? This is the first lesson of prayer. All right? Write down. I need you to heal Aunt Bobby, touch Uncle Sue. <laughs> We're in a different generation, but... um." Heal, deliver, save. I need money. I need money. I need money. I need money. (laughs) That's about the other four things on our prayer list. He goes, okay. He goes, okay, give me the prayer list. All right, Lord, here it is. This is the deepest things in my heart. I need you to fix it. He goes, okay, let me look at it. Let me look at it. First lesson of prayer. More important than what you're asking for is to whom you are asking it and where He lives. No, no. Let that settle in. Because most of us, our prayer lives never graduate from God fixing that thing in our life. And we're just not moving on and we live disconnected from Him. And Jesus says the foundation of prayer is you connecting To Him. And you need to connect to where He lives. You understand what was happening in worship tonight? There was the holy invitation. Come up here. Come up here. I want to bring you up into sights, sounds, thunderings, voices. I want you to see what the angels see. I want you to connect with what the elder connects with. Because Jesus is talking about Revelation 4. Before John goes and sees Revelation 4. When He says, when you pray, say... Father, heaven, holy. Father, heaven, holy. If those three words were to get written on the inside of us. Because he says there's going to be a prayer that's going to break out of you once you connect with Abba, heaven, and holy. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. This is what's going to come out of you. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But you can't release into the earth what you're not encountering in heaven. And that's why Jesus says the progression is the spirit of revelation. You've got to first come through the door of the spirit of revelation because I believe that's the greatest travesty in the body of Christ. We don't know who we're talking to. We don't know who we're talking to. And I believe Jesus says I've come to introduce you to the most beautiful, the most glorious, the most fascinating, the most amazing person. He's, I call him Abba. And he's not just my Abba. He's yours. And he's ours. Jesus came to share his dad with the whole earth. I love that. And that's what I want to talk to you tonight, and that's what I want to hit on right now is just that first line of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. It's almost like Jesus knew what those seraphim sing around the throne, because there's only one word that surrounds the throne holy. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. I want to tell you it's an hour for the body of Christ, it's time for the spirit. No, it's, Go ahead and turn there with me to Ephesians 1. It's the prayer we've prayed a billion times and haven't even touched the surface yet. I believe that the knowledge of God, the revelation of the Father, and the revelation of the Son is the greatest need for the church in this hour. The revelation of the Father and the revelation of the Son is the greatest need in this hour. It's time for new thoughts about God. It's time for new thoughts about God to fill. It's time for that virus To feel called truth about Abba. Truth about the Son. Truth of who we are. Of who He is. Of what He's like. Of how He feels. I believe that as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. I believe our prayer lives will rest on what we secretly believe about God. Our prayer lives rest on who do you think you're talking to. Most of us view a middle class working dad with 7 billion children. He's got a good heart. Middle class working dads, they work hard and they got a good heart. But I'm one more mouth to feed in the bread line. And I'm here to tell you, that's an idol. And we're going to smash our idols this weekend. That's an idol. It's not a, well, that's just where I came from. No, it's an idol. And you're worshiping a false idol. Tozer and knowledge of the holy says the, this is the essence of idolatry. It's the entertainment of thoughts about God that are unworthy of him. It's when you buy into lies and half-truths about who He is and what the Word of God has revealed Him to be. God's going to give us, we want the spirit of revelation. I'm hungry for the spirit of revelation. I want to tell you I love the spirit of revelation. But it's the blind people who get to see in the kingdom. It's people that are desperate, saying, God, I'm grateful for what I do see, but I realize I'm not seeing anything at all. I want to see. And those are the ones that get eye salve. All right. Let's look at this prayer out of, for the church of Ephesians of Ephesus and look at verse 15 of chapter 1. I love it. He says, Good, you're at church. You've been sealed with the Spirit, forgiven of all your sins. He just laid out 14 verses of everything that they have in Christ. He goes, Good, here's my fear, though. You're going to turn Christianity into a a once-a-week social club. He goes. Therefore, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Here it is: that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a phrase! And then he calls him the Father of Glory. Everybody, say "Father "Father of Glory." Hallelujah! Ooh, Father of Glory. Paul's gazing on the the Father who art in heaven. He's looking at Abba. And he says, oh Father, that man at your right hand. That man at your right hand. This is what I'm praying and I can't stop praying it. Until dams start breaking. Until an awakening happens in Jacksonville. That the Father of glory would give to the church. Everybody say it's for for the church. It's always for the church. When the church gets a breakthrough into Him, we are going to see the revelation of Him flow through the streets. It's going to flow through our neighborhoods, flow through our businesses. It's always a prayer for the church. When the church gets on fire, glory breaks out. The Father of glory would give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Of Him. He had just spent 14 verses saying everything that we have in Him. That we're blessed in Him. We're chosen in Him. We're holy in Him. We're predestined as sons in Him. We have an inheritance in Him. we got a whole bunch of stuff in Him. Paul's saying, this is what's happened while you were still sinners and what He did for you. But here's the point. You need the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And you need your eyes opened. You need an awakening. You need an awakening to take place in your life. And that you would begin to supernaturally know the hope of His calling. In essence, you would be filled with revelation of where you're going. In this life and in the ages to come. Number two, that you would know what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance inside of you. In essence, that you would know who you are to Him. Do you know that you are the Father's wedding gift to the Son? You are His inheritance. And number three, that you would know the exceeding greatness of His power. Which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. And He seated Him far above every principality. Power, might, dominion. That means amen. <laughs> You know what I love about that? The same power. That you would know the power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That you would know by experience the power that can raise you out of the most impossible of situations. That death raising power is your portion. In your life. Through your life. Hallelujah. And then last week we celebrated his resurrection which signifies our resurrection. Death could not hold you down. Hallelujah. Resurrection power. And this is, my, this is my paraphrased prayer for Ephesians 1. It's God, wake me up. God, wake me up. Deliver me from religion. Give me revelation. Deliver me from religion. Give me revelation. Open my eyes, God. Hallelujah. It becomes and it starts with new thoughts about God. I love it. He was talking about the eternity of God. Guys, I just think it's time that we just get back to everything that we think we know. We need just to push delete on it and ask for a fresh spirit of revelation. You're going to find something powerful at the beginning of your Bible. God's there. You'll find in the very first verse of your Bible, in the beginning, God. So you have to ask yourself a very profound question. When did God begin? If He's there at our beginning, when's His beginning? And you jump off the pages of Genesis 1 into what the Bible calls before the foundation of the world. Where it's the Father and the Son and the Spirit. God enjoying God by God. You go on the journey of who brought God into existence. When's the beginning of His days? He's called the Ancient of Days. Psalm 90 says, From everlasting to everlasting you are God. Isaiah 57 says, He inhabits eternity. When did God begin? That's the foundation to everything. And you're going to run into something and it's called running out of numbers. And when you hit out of numbers, you've got to look back to Genesis 1 and say to yourself, I'm closer to Genesis 1 right now than I am to the beginning. Guys, I want you to understand we are dealing with someone uncreated. That's terrifying and that's awkward. We don't even know how to navigate a thought like that. He is the uncreated one. Uncreated love. Uncreated light. Uncreated wisdom. Power. Goodness. Gentleness. Kindness. Righteousness. Justice. There's no beginning to His days. He has loved us with what kind of love? Everlasting love. Which means He didn't get it from anybody and no one will take it away. Hallelujah. His mercy is an everlasting mercy. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. His power, His goodness, His righteousness. We get lost in God. I love it when Jesus was looking at him in John 8. and They were sitting there talking to Him. And he goes, yeah, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they got all angry. And they go, dude, you're not yet 50 years old. How can you talk about Abraham rejoicing to see your day? Then Jesus goes, before Abraham was, I am. That has to be the greatest mic drop in history. Before Abraham was, I am. Hallelujah. He's called the Alpha. He's the beginning. He's the first. Hallelujah. I invite you to get lost in the eternity of God. It'll set you free from temporal pleasures. It'll set you free from a temporal mindset. It'll give you a bigger dream than the American dream. It will begin to grip you with an eternal dream. Ha! Huh. Because He has no beginning and He has no end. And we're jumping into the never-ending story. You and I will never die. And if we die physical, we're coming out of that grave. I love it. Hallelujah. I mean, can you even imagine, man? My goodness. I just want to tackle somebody, man. He says in Psalm 39, our lives are like a hand breath. It's like flesh is grass. Isaiah 40. Not only is God eternal, the Bible calls Him transcendent. He's infinite. Everybody hold your hand up like that. Isaiah 40 says He measures the heavens with the span of His hand. Now do that. He measures all the waters in the palm of His hand. He's not playing. It's not poetry. He's the infinite God. He he weighs all the mountains in scales. He hung the earth on nothing. Nothing. He has Genesis 1 on his resume and Job 26 says this is a whisper. It's the mere edges of his ways. It's a whisper, but the thunder of his power, who can understand? Anybody ever read the book of Job? Tough season. How does God comfort a suffering man who's had 30 chapters of his friends giving advice? They go, there must be some sin in the camp for this going on in your life. Then God shows up in a tornado. And he gives him a hundred questions with the same answer. He's all eating up with boils just sitting there. And he goes, (laughs) and God's going to pull out a hundred question quiz on him with the same answer. (laughs) Where were you? When I told Proud Waves they can come this far and no more. Oh, do you know about hanging the earth on nothing? No, it's not on my resume. Oh, talk to me about constellations. Do you know about Big Bear, Little Bear, Orion, and all her little cubs? No, I don't know anything about that. How about, do you go hunt, pray for the lion cubs off in the middle of the, the wilderness? No. Do you send lightning in the middle of nowhere just because? Why is God going to put a pop quiz on a suffering dude With the same answer Because he's saying, Job If I've got Genesis 1 on my resume I'm upholding cosmoses by the word of my power And then at the same time Taking care of the most minutest details Unknown details of creation And I'm upholding everything by the word of my power at the same time. Then surely I know how to take you. My crowning jewel of my creation. And bring you forth into the fullness of your destiny. With perfect wisdom and perfect power. Which means in our language. Shut up. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to bring you forth. It's got a glorious story through all of this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get lost in God. He's a good father. He's a good father. and He loves you. And he's not no middle class working dad. He's the God who has Genesis 1 on his resume. He measures the heavens with the span of his hand. And he's rich. He's not just, we're not talking about rich in money. He's rich in love. He's rich in power. He's not only the, the most wealthiest person you've ever met. He is the kindest, most hilarious, generous giver you've ever met. Hallelujah. Everybody say father of glory. James calls Him Father of lights. Hebrews calls Him Father of spirits. Jesus calls Him Father in heaven. Romans 8 says, we cry Abba. Father of glory. Father of indescribable beauty and glory and light. I don't even know how to talk about Him. I just know that Paul and Timothy says that He dwells in unapproachable light. What is unapproachable light? It means that light has an attitude. Light has a thus far you can come and no more. Psalm 104 says he wraps himself with light. 1 John says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Aren't you grateful that there's not one hint of sin or vindictive nature in God, but he's pure light and everything that he does is pure and perfect. Hallelujah. He shines. How we sing that song. Like, you shine brighter than the sun. Y'all sing that around here? In the heavens or on the earth, there is no not one like you, Lord. You shine. It says that in Psalm 50. You who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. I've been lost on that Corinthian passage where it says the God who commanded light. To shine in the darkness has shone into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Revelation 4 is a chapter we talk a lot about around here. You need to get familiar with Revelation 4 because when Jesus said, Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name, He's actually talking about Revelation 4. First time I heard Revelation 4, Mike Bickle was preaching on the 15 doors into the beauty realm. That was the title of the message. I don't even know how you get that on a handout. 15 doors into the beauty realm. (laughs) Small font. And he started talking about the heavenly throne room. And the scene surrounding God's throne. You know, the Bible gives us several glimpses into the throne room of God. Do you understand that the throne room came down on Mount Sinai? When they saw that, that sapphire pavement and it was clear in the heavens in its clarity. And the children of Israel sat and they ate. The elders of Israel sat and they ate with God. And it says they saw the God of Israel. They were on the sea of glass. Because the sea of glass came down to Mount Sinai. Ezekiel, Isaiah, we see glimpses. Daniel 7, the Ancient of Days on the throne. There's a will of fire, river of fire. Everything's on fire. Hallelujah. Well, in Revelation 4, first time I heard it, Mike could as well have been talking Chinese. I didn't understand any of this. Jasper, Sardius, Rainbow. I didn't understand what he was saying, but my spirit was stirring. And I'm like, God, I want to touch the beauty realm. I want to get delivered from the seduction of this age. And I want to touch beauty. I want to touch beauty. You know, that, that is. I love that they talked about Psalm 27.4. One thing I want from God, I want to look at His beauty. Do you know you were made by God and you were made for God? And that you were made to search and to discover the beauty of God. You were made to look at Him. Beauty is powerful. Hallelujah. Revelation 4, John's old. He's 90, been exiled to Patmos. They leave him there to die because he won't die. (laughs) History tells us he'd been boiled boiled in oil twice and they couldn't kill him. The dude would not die. And it says that he has an encounter with Jesus in Revelation 1. Fascinating. I'll talk about it next time I come. It's awesome. Revelation 2 and 3, he gets seven letters for churches. In Asia Minor. And then in chapter 4. He sees a door standing open in heaven. Guys I want to come. And I declare it over Jacksonville. That there is a door standing open over this city. And there is a holy invitation being given to you. Come out of religion. Come out of bondage. Come out of slavery. Come out of addictions. Come out of whatever is holding you back. And come into a new place of sight. Sound and encounter. And, and beginning to engage in, in what God's wanting to do in and through your life through this place. A door standing open in heaven. And I heard a voice like a trumpet saying, come up here and I will show you things. Which must take place. John hears the voice. Immediately I was in the spirit. Whether he was in the body or out, he doesn't know, but he's there. And the first thing that he sees is a throne set in heaven. Guys, I'm telling you, this isn't Disney World. This isn't make-believe. It's not allegory. It's not symbolism. It's a real place that's happening right now. And you, spiritually, are already there. What are you talking about? This is getting weird. The Bible is very clear that you and I have been raised and seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Colossians 3 says our citizenship is in heaven. And that the biblical command of Colossians 3 is to take these six inches. Three. Some people have six. And set it on things above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. It is a biblical command to think on the throne life, to meditate on the throne realities. Well, brother, you don't want to be so heavenly minded. You'll be no earthly good. I've never seen anybody with that problem. Matter of fact, you will be no earthly good to anyone unless you get heavenly minded. Because we bring the powers of the age to come into our families, our marriages, our businesses, our lives. We bring heavenly realities down. So don't. I know we're close to Orlando around here, but don't write this off as some kind of weird thing. It's happening. And you're about to meet some of these dudes soon. There's a throne set in heaven, and John is doing his best to describe the one on the throne. And the best way he can talk about the one on the throne is by using ancient stones as common language bridges to talk about what he's seeing. But it's like. That's why he uses the word like. Because it's not, but it's like. He was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. The ancient jasper and the ancient sardius. The ancient jasper is that bright diamond light. And the ancient sardius is that fiery red. So you break it down to something like. He's seeing fire and light engulfing itself. I don't even know how to talk about it. Emerald rainbows surrounding him. I want to tell you, God is beautiful. And I don't want to say that. God is not just light. God is fire. God's first self-description in the Word is, I am a consuming, a consuming. We were singing, He's always burning. He's always burning. Everything in the presence of God is burning. Burning, burning. That's why I love John Thurlow. Burning, seven lamps, fire, burning. Eyes of fire, burning, burning, burning. burning. I've set up my seat in the prayer room. I just look at John. Been in that room with him for 16 years, and I'm still the president of his fan club. And I've heard that song a billion times, and I start crying because it never gets old, because he never stops burning. <laughs> I tell it, man. I told him that earlier this week. I just said, I've been in the room with you hearing these songs 16 years, and I am still president of your fan club. He's on fire Talk to me about fire Fire burns, consumes, tenderizes Refines, judges Removes I love Daniel 7 We see him on fire The ancient of days on the throne of fire Ezekiel, I love Ezekiel Trying to talk about Jesus on his throne And from his waist down, he was on fire And from his waist up, he was on fire The man's on fire I love the road to Emmaus, don't you? Jesus shows up in his Clark Kent outfit after the resurrection. We get to see the nature of the resurrection. Because he'll be in Clark Kent one moment, walking through walls the next, saying, give me some food. And it doesn't fall out of his side, but he actually eats it. So there's human physical dynamics connected with the spiritual dynamics of the resurrection. Yeah, look at it, it's crazy. So Jesus is showing up. Clark Kent style walking with them. And the two guys are sad going to Emmaus. We thought this was him. He was going to save the day. Do all these things. And Jesus says, what are you guys talking about? First off, I think it's weird. If some third guys just started walking with me. but <laughs> Like Cleopas, who's him? And they begin to talk to him. And Jesus says, you guys are so foolish to believe in all the prophets have said. And Jesus takes them on a Bible study through Genesis. Through the Old Testament, through the Psalms and the Prophets, showing how he's going to have to first come and suffer, die, and then be raised again. He takes them on a Bible study. Well, they come to a fork in the road. He goes, I'll see you all later. And they go, uh-uh. The Bible says they constrained him. You know what that looks like? Cops. They tackled him, and they dragged him in the house. You're not going anywhere. You've been constrained? They dragged him into the house. He sets down. And he takes the bread and as soon as he breaks it, their eyes get open and they go, oh my goodness, it's him. Oh my goodness, it's him, it's him, it's him. And as soon as they know it's him, what does he do? He vanishes. How many of people in this room have seen someone vanish right in front of you? Might be a couple of you in your old days. That's weird. (laughs) We ain't talking about the hippie movement or anything like that. This is one of the most fascinating verses, because if I would have seen somebody vanish in front of me, and if you would have seen someone vanish right in front of you, I would have looked at you, you would have looked at me, and we would have said, did you see the guy vanish? (laughs) Wouldn't you? They don't. They look at each other and they go back to what they were both feeling on the road earlier when he was leading that Bible study. And they look at each other and they go, did not our hearts burn within us as he unfolded the scriptures to us? I'll take away from that, that more powerful than a vanishing man is a burning heart. When Jesus is leading the Bible study. Does your heart burn? I want my heart to burn. I want my heart to burn. I want my heart to get tender in God. I want the coldness of religion. The overfamiliarity of religion. I, don't, I, I want to get delivered from what I think I know. I want wonder to be restored to my Bible. I want fascination. I want wonder. Psalm 119, open my eyes that I would see wondrous things. Wonder restored to the Word of God. Wonder restored. Wonder, wonder, wonder. I want divine fascination. I want to be a kid that asks the same questions that we think we know. Hallelujah. Well, he sees him and he's like a jasper and a sardius stone. He's beautiful. He's burning. And there's a rainbow surrounding him. Guys, I want you to know, he's the kindest, most merciful person you will ever meet. He is a covenant-keeping God. There's twenty four thrones around him, and on them sit elders in their robe, their crown, their throned. It's what you and I look like in the presence of God. You're clean in Christ. You're holy in Christ. And you're close in Christ. That's good news. What's gonna happen when the church in the South wakes up to our identity? I tell you, lightnings, thunderings, and voices are gonna come back to the church. It's called the spirit of prophecy. It's called the prophetic release of his voice. It says that his voice thunders. The God of glory thunders. There's lightning strikes. Hallelujah. There's voices. We want the spirit of prophecy back coming out of the church. There's a sea of glass, there's seven lamps of fire burning. And then we have it right here, these last few minutes. And then we come to these four living creatures. And the Bible describes them this way, that one looks like a lion, one looks like an ox, one has a face of a man, and one looks like an eagle. That's not even the crazy part. The crazy part is they have eyes around and within. Not only around, but within. I mean, I don't know if they're translucent creatures where you can see their insides. Around and within. Okay. And the Bible says, they do not rest day or night. Saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, to Him who was and is and is to come. And whenever they give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne... The 24 elders, they fall down, they cast their crowns, and they say, you alone are worthy, for you have created all things. And by your will they exist and were created. They've been in the same room with the same person singing the same word forever. They've been in the same room with the same person singing the same word forever. Let me break this down for you another way. They've been in the same room with the same person singing the same word forever. Why did God give them all them eyes? To look at Him. Why don't they stop? It's because He never stops breaking in with fresh discoveries of who He is. He keeps breaking out with revelation, short-circuiting all those eyes. And this in essence is what they're saying. I've never seen Him like this before. And here's the crazy truth. It's because they haven't. You know what that means for us? I'm here to declare to you and to Jacksonville and everybody out there. God is not boring. You are. This is not boring. You are. It's not him that's on trial. It's not him that's got to catch up to this generation and wow us with something new. He's been stunning creatures with the same word forever. Who are filled with eyes. He's not the one boring. He is glorious. He is the definition of beauty, a fascination of all. Oh, great is the Lord, and his greatness is unsearchable. Great is the Lord, he's greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. You know what that means? Job security. You're never going to get used to Him. You will be getting your head blown off afresh with a fresh discovery of His mercy in a billion years as if you've never seen it before. And it's because you haven't. Because He's infinite. He will be infinitely blowing your minds forever. It says that in Ephesians 2.7 that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You know what that means? You and I are going to be on thrones in ages. I don't even know what that's about. And I'm going to be looking at you and you're going to be looking at me and we're going to be saying this, how'd we get in here? And we're going to start weeping undone by the kindness of God. Undone by the kindness of God. How did I get in here? I know me. He knows me. What am I doing in this room? Huh. 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 I want boredom broken off my life. I want to get delivered from the from the virus of viruses. It's called boredom. Why the eyes? What's up with Paul praying that eyes would be open? These burning creatures got eyes. Jesus says your eyes are the window to your soul. If your eyes are good, your body's good. What's it up with the eyes? I'm convinced that Christianity comes down to what are you looking at and what are you listening to? That's the most repeated biblical command in the Word of God is hear. And he's not talking about just hearing audibly. He's talking about hearing prophetically. I want you to discern what I'm saying. I want you to see what I'm doing. But there's an issue for the eyes. That's why I believe that the enemy knows this and that's why pornography is having such a heyday in the church. Perversion is raping the prophetic senses off a generation. It's releasing shame. It's releasing bondage. It's releasing addiction. And the very faculties that were made to meditate on the beauty of God have been stained with shame vomit, filth, and making us run from Him instead of to Him. There's nothing that is more anti-prayer and worship than pornography because pornography is a worship movement. It is the worship of men and women's bodies. And you were made for the worship of the Creator. Your eyes were made to be filled with light. The spirit of revelation to touch you. Well, you're like, Brother, I don't struggle with those things. Hallelujah. But I'm bored stiff. Religions choked out my eyes. Maybe your eyes are looking at the stock market all day. I don't know. Maybe it's part of your job. Maybe it's part of your addiction. I don't know. But whatever you look at, your life's going to follow. Whatever you're looking at is what you're going to follow. I want eyes. Jesus in Revelation 1 has eyes like fire. He has torches of fire in his eyes. I want that fire to touch my eyes and get into my eyes. Blessed are the pure in heart. They get to see God. It's my favorite verse in the Bible is Revelation twenty two four. They shall see his face <laughs> and his name will be on their foreheads. Bang. <laughs> that's my that's my passport into the city. Oh, God, we want you to awaken us. Father of glory. Father of glory. He wants to break shame off you tonight. He wants to open up your eyes, open up your heart. Some of you, you haven't felt anything longing for a while. Do you know why we get bored? Because we think we've arrived. There ain't nothing else to discover. I got Jesus. Heck, I speak in tongues. I dance longer than other people. There ain't nothing else to discover. I want you to know you're in a paddle boat and he's the Pacific Ocean. You are never going to get used to him. Listen to me. You're never going to get used to him. That's why I love our piano player back here. This woman's on fire. It has nothing to do with age. But I tell you, that's a miracle. Being her age and having that reach and fire on her spirit. Because she's had a whole lifetime of reasons not to be. And I've never even met her. I'm just telling you life will throw you a many options to not be it. And she says, I ain't selling my birthright for a bowl of soup. My birthright is to see God. My birthright is to see God. And I'm not selling it. I'm not going to sell it for even a ministry. I'm not going to sell it for other things. I want to be on fire. I'm not going to sell it for money. I'm not going to sell it for just entertainment. I'm not going to sell it for anything. I want to see him. Hallelujah. Fire. Let's stand. (coughs) Jesus. And I want to go back into that song. Heck, that's the song of the night. Fire. Burning. Burning fire. Everything's burning. My question is, are you? Are you burning? On the day of Pentecost, tongues of fire appeared over their heads. We're going to give our eyes to Jesus tonight, okay? All right? And prayer is all about what you see. John 17, Jesus lifted his eyes to heaven and he says, Father, the hours come. Glorify your son. He he saw someone. Do you see him who is invisible? Hallelujah. Fire. Fire. I'm serious, man. I haven't. She started playing that piano, and I was like, "Oh God!" Her spirit reaching for God, hungry, hungry. That is, man, It's hungry, 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 hungry. That's what I want to be. That's my vision right there. All right, we're gonna give our eyes to Jesus. Now, this may directly apply to you, or it may not. But we're gonna stand over our lives because I believe He wants to break through the spirit of religion. Because this is the thing about religion and revelation; they'll say the same Bible verses. But one's happy that they know it. The other one realizes they don't know anything at all. And it's actually the fact that you don't know anything at all that's actually a statement that you're starting to know a little bit. All right, put your hands over your eyes. We're going to give our eyes to Jesus. This is a prayer and prophetic. Those two go hand in hand. We talk to God. And we talk to people about God. I can only say those things which I've heard. I can only do those things that I see. I want you to look at the man with eyes like fire right now. And I want you to look him in the eyes. And I promise you, your pathway to freedom and deliverance is by continually looking at those eyes. I want you just to ask it right now. We're going to pray a prayer of repentance. Just go, Father... Say it again, say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for opening my eyes to all forms of perversion. In the spirit of this age, in the spirit of religion, I ask you to forgive me right now. I ask for the blood of Jesus to wash over me now from the top of my head. To the bottom of my feet. I want my thoughts to be clean. My emotions to be clean. My desires to be clean. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your cleansing. And in the name of Jesus, I break every tie to darkness. I cut every tie. I break all agreement. And in the name of Jesus, I open up new doors, doors of light, doors of truth, doors of encounter and doors of revelation in the name of Jesus, Satan, I command you leave my mind, leave my emotions, leave my desires. You are not my master and I'm not your servant. Jesus is my master. And I'm his servant. So I command you to go. 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 Now lift now. Lift your hands all over the room. Say, Father of glory. Look at him. Say, Father of glory. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In the knowledge of Him. I want to see Him. I want to see Him. I want to see Him. him. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. In the name of Jesus. I'm just going to pray over you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I take authority right now. We just break the power of witchcraft and sorcery and divination. We break off the fog of confusion. We break off the fog of lies. We break off the fog of oppression. We break off the ceilings of religion. We break off boredom. We break off dullness. We break off our agreement that this is our inheritance. We say our inheritance is fascination. Our inheritance is wonder. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Breakthrough in the name of Jesus. That's it. Heaven's open. Angels descend and ascend upon the Son of Man.